Welcome to Out of the Common. We're a brother and sister duo with extravagant goals where we've had to bridge the gap from perceived reality to actuality. I have an early stage mining venture potentially worth many billions, and Vanessa, she's an experienced healer. She connects the spiritual, energetic, and physical pathways within her functional wellness clinic. Join us here every week as we discuss some of life's adventures, current events, and ways in which true healing happens. By experiencing life through a different lens, you may indeed just find the path that's right for you. And that is what we hope to achieve. Unpacking trauma to live a life of purpose. Warning, this episode may be distressing to some. Head injuries, car accidents, athletic injuries even. These may be some of the things that you associate with trauma or traumatic events. However, if this leaves you confused or unsure about what trauma is, you're not alone. Trauma is layered and can be very complex. It can even go unnoticed and unrecognized for long periods of time. It's certainly not a topic that is taken lightly, and I think not a topic that's talked about enough, but we've all had our own experiences. So we'd like to walk you through that and just how trauma shows up in all of our lives and maybe your life, but also what is trauma. And so today we have joining us Dr. Kayla Franzluber. She's a doctor of chiropractic, and she's going to explain a little bit about her story, but also how trauma shows up in a chiropractic patient, which is fascinating. So Dr. Kayla, thank you for being here with us. I'm happy to be here. It's exciting to be on the TEF podcast. We've never called it that before. No, we haven't. That sounds not too bad. Decent. We'll go with it. (laughs) We'll go with it. Getting right into it. What is trauma or what's considered trauma? trauma? What what are we talking about? What do we consider when we talk about trauma? Now, just for a preface, it it doesn't have to be a big event that we think it is, you know, a car accident, an earthquake, like some major catastrophic event. It does not actually have to be that. It can be something simple, emotional, spiritual, physical. We obviously all know and can recognize the problem is with the spiritual and certainly the emotional. And I think the emotional trauma happens You know, that's the trauma that happens day in, day out. That is just maybe a little stressor, and we don't think of trauma. So one is verbal abuse, huge emotional trauma, and most people aren't exposed to it just one time. Psychological abuse, that's a big one because that really mind warps you, or excuse my language, mind fucks you. And the other one that is very common is just a death of a family member. That is a huge emotional trauma. And I would definitely say spiritual trauma, not a lot of people associate with that as being a trauma, whether that be spiritual warfare. I mean, from just like a mindset of feeling attacked and even just an unhealthy religious experience. I'm looking forward to telling you more about my actual unhealthy religious experience that I had. Awesome. We can't wait to hear about that because I think a lot of people will connect with that. And when Chris and I talk to people, that's probably the number one thing that that they bring up of why they're not, they don't have a relationship with God is because of something more traumatic that happened with regard to religion or church. So we'll be excited to hear your story. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Thank you for being here. And we're excited to get this. Hopefully we can keep it lighthearted because it is serious. It's a serious topic, but I don't think it has to bring us down. No, it definitely doesn't have to bring us down. In fact, it should enlighten us quite a bit and take some weight off our shoulders because We've all gone through it. Some of it we're still going through because, listen, I'm speaking for all of us here, but we do not speak from a pedestal point of view. We speak from an experienced point of view. So that's where we're trying to come from here. And honestly, I'd like to jump in and say, like, it's the trauma that you experience can actually be very empowering to you. 
And that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from my unpacking of trauma is how much this now changing my mindset and shifting how it's empowering me and how much I can give back to my patients. And that's really a stance of being coachable through it and wanting to unpack it. That's a good point. We all have to be willing to sit with it, work with it, work through it, and not be so hard on ourselves as we do. But yeah, we all have our own stories. We've been through a lot in our few short years. And um, as Chris said, we don't come of this from a place of we know what's best, so do all of this. It's just these are our stories. This is what we've seen in life. And this is honestly, when we work with people, all of us, this is what we're doing. It's not so much the physical stuff. It's this emotional gunk that's underneath or these patterns, these recall patterns that we have to work with. Because the reality is nobody wants to let this stuff surface. Nobody wants to allow it to come up. It's not enjoyable. It doesn't feel good. No, it's not. It's every it negative sucks. emotion that you can have. And it creates problems physically and mentally, you know, allowing those to surface. But with that said. But when you release it, there's a power to that. It is extremely powerful. And it finally allows you to be you. Yes. Like you, you can release everything that's not you. Yes. And get to your core, which I think is the essence of why we're here, what we're trying to do here. Absolutely. 100%. Well, I think it allows you to step into your purpose, like into mm. your calling. Like I truly feel like I needed in my health journey to unpack my trauma, to be able to go into the calling that God has me for, to step into it with such fierce passion and purpose and drive to be like, no, I know I can change people's lives. One adjustment, one conversation, even just a prayer for someone. I know somewhere around the world I've impacted so many people by something I've said or the intention I've put out. And that's because I've been willing to to address my trauma head on. Not always, mm-hmm. but now I'm seeing more trauma as a an empowerment for myself to the hard aspects of it suck. But going through the hard makes it so worth it. It truly does. Oh, you bring up a point, I think, when anyone, when, you, when you're working on yourself and you go through this stuff, you look back and if you ask yourself, you know, you have these experiences in life and you're like, oh, would I ever do that again? A lot of them are no. But when you go through all of this, would you seek to go through it again to get to where you are? Yes. Every time is yes. Well, how convenient or common is the question, if you could change one thing about yourself or one thing in your past, what would it be? The answer should be absolutely nothing, nothing if you're continuing to work and, and strive and seek and be better. Because our, our past allows us to be who we are, where we are, mm-hmm. and al- allows us to work on this stuff. Because if we didn't have it, where are we coming from? Correct. We have to start somewhere. And yep. some of us are all gunked up, unfortunately. Yep. But that's okay. We're not broken. We're all created very individual. The light is there. We just have to get to it. Very spe- Yeah. Exactly. Very special. Now, with that, I have many journeys, actually. (laughs) It's kind of all wrapped into one big dumpster fire. However, one of my traumatic experiences happened when I was a kid. Well, many of them did, really, but let's be honest. And I've never really told anybody, except for you, Vanessa, I've told a couple of people. But anyways, to me, this story is a physical trauma. And I was climbing an apple tree, as I loved to do when I was a kid. But I fell out and snagged a branch, small broken off branch at the very bottom. What did that branch hit, connect to, rip? My sack. So I have to go to the hospital to get stitches. And this wasn't the first time you were at the hospital. This wasn't the first time you fell out of a tree. No. 
Not the so first time. This like, is... I had broken arms, legs, noses. Right. So you're going down and you're used to it. But this time was different. This time was different. It ripped a hole where there's not supposed to be a hole. I'm saying that now because it's a physical trauma that happened in a very sensitive area that, to me, currently, some of my health problems have been my hormones. Now, that's where your testosterone is produced. With a man, that's your lifeblood. That makes you who you are on a lot of levels. So being 36 now, I'm still dealing with, actually, because not only was it a physical trauma that happened in a specific area, it gets convoluted a little bit because there's emotions tied to that. And being at this age and having a deal with your hormones and having a deal with your testes and relationships, things like that, there's, I'm always dealing with it. It's something that has also even brought shame. Why? I don't know. Just because of what it's dealing with. Well, I think and how it connects to masculinity, certainly. But looking back at your health journey, goodness, if we knew this was connected so early on, we could have helped to shift it, repattern it, work with it. It wasn't until you went through so many other layers that we got to this. Right. Holy moly, this was underneath all of it. And my test levels crashed, crashed five years ago. Okay, you say test. He means testosterone. Testosterone. Some people don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. Testosterone levels had crashed five years ago. And I say crash, I mean like 182. Like I think mine were higher than yours, which is sad. Probably (laughs) so. Probably so. (laughs) But this stuff can happen if you have trauma. I also raced mountain bikes. So you're on the saddle all the time. There's a continual dull trauma there all the time. Mm -hmm. I ride motorcycles. That's considered a physical trauma in that position all the time. And then the biggest of it all, obviously, was falling out of the tree. That was number one, first and foremost. But none of this stuff started to connect and make sense until, you know, we got through a bunch of other levels and I unpacked a whole bunch of other things, Mm -hmm. items, events, you name it. Mm -hmm. And then I could see clearly the connection that it was having to the rest of my body. And it's not something that's solidified to this day, but I'm consciously aware of it. And it's something that's being remedied. So again, this trauma, when was I, five, six, seven? Five or six, I was young. So it was 30 years ago, right? And I'm still dealing with it today. So we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. I don't even want to be perfect, but it's still something that I'm unpacking. Mm -hmm. Kayla has a... I think this could be a great time to tell your story in terms of uh, unhealthy kind of religious experience, not unhealthy spiritual experience, but tell everyone your connection with trauma in regards to spirituality and how that's connected to you and what it's taught you. Yeah, I can jokingly say now that I'm a recovering Catholic. I think a lot of people say that. And there is some seriousness to that because... When you're in it, it's all about rules and following this and the guilt and the shame. And, you know, I was very involved. And then I went to undergrad and I had three people very influential in my life pass away within a 10 month time span. That's a lot. I was 20 years old. And I think at that point, you really can not necessarily process, but fully understand the weight of death Mm. and the grieving process. And what I found was that. Catholicism gave me rules. It didn't give me a relationship with God or a roadmap, I would say, 
to how to deal with grief and loss and death in a healthy manner. How connected were you to religion? Maybe not connected, but I guess like how religious was your family growing up? I would say... Did you guys go to church every Sunday? Yep, went to church every Sunday. I was involved in youth group. I actually served. I was in EMHC, so I am the person who gave out communion. I took communion to the shut-ins and stuff. like. So I was... You were very involved in yeah, your, your religious community. That was it. Like, I grew up in a town that was 98% Catholic. When these people died that were close to you, what happened to bring upon this trauma? Because the trauma had already happened, right? Right. But what was so specific that you said, wow, like what's going on here? Did you feel guilty because of their deaths? Did you feel like you didn't do enough? Did you have emotions that were unprocessed? Because I I do know that you place blame, right? Oh, yeah. But then why did you place blame? I was never taught that like how do I say this? Like, yes, people pass away, but it wasn't from the aspect of like they had salvation and they're going to be in heaven. You're going to see them one day. It was more from a perspective like they died and I don't know how to process that. God took them from me and I was so pissed. I was just mm. pissed about them leaving and why did God take them? And especially now I need them in my life. And when I didn't have that relationship to God, it wasn't even that I could like cry out to him and be like, God, help provide me with peace or comfort or anything. I was just like, screw you. Why do I need you in my life if you're just going to take people that I love so dearly away from me? And I do think that's a very unhealthy connection that many people make. And I'm speaking specifically of Catholicism because that's how we were quasi brought up, right? Why do you say quasi? Because <laughs> as a family, we pretended to be these great churchgoers and have this great faith, right? But it's like a show. Yeah. And that's not a dig at our parents. I don't think I no, don't think they were brought all. up with a relationship with God. And right. so they it didn't was know a relationship to, with the church. They didn't know how to pass that on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not placing blame anywhere. It's just No, like, I'm just laughing because you say quasi and that's <laughs> yeah, it the was truth. quasi. That's the quasi moto. I think that is a part of being Catholic in a way is that there's you have to be this perfectness. So there's a hiding of guilt and shame of maybe what you're going through or not wanting to show that vulnerability to people. So, well, if you can't show it outwardly, you're just going to either bury your feelings and walk through life and be like, oh, nothing's bothering me. And that's what I did. <laughs> Which is interesting because, you know, with the spiritual trauma and the physical trauma, they don't stop there. There's certainly emotional connections. And I know, Vanessa, that you've dealt like it was a big emotional trauma for you when, mm -hmm. when when our mom died. Yeah. But can I ask one more question? Mm -hmm. I, I can tell my story in a second. But what brought you back to God or what what was that difference? Like, I guess, why did you feel pulled back? So I was put into a different city, didn't know anyone. And someone literally was like, come with me to this like Christian barbecue. Just play like yard games or whatever. And then they invited me to a Bible study. And then all these these young adults had a relationship with God. And I was like, whoa, what is this? I've never had someone be like, you do know like your relationship with God is like what we're doing right now. Talking to someone, God's always with you. You can talk to them. And that started me unpacking that 
I guess, like narrative in my head of like what it means to have a relationship with God. So then I shifted into like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to Christian music when I'm driving. And that helped me start to learn truths about the Bible and who God truly was. I read the book, The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. That was a game changer along with many others. I slowly started to learn and that really helped me grow. And now I can say I have a relationship with God that is truly on fire and it's helped me serve my patients on such a deeper level. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think a lot of people have that connection or, you know, a spiritual trauma, if you will, of maybe a unhealthy relationship or a negative relationship that can turn positive. And I do really like what you said about that narrative in your head, because we have a narrative. We all have a narrative in our head. That's why we, they say or we say we're our own worst enemy mm. because it's that narrative. And that narrative most times is a lie and it's a false narrative. So that's important to understand as we start to unpack our trauma. Mm-hmm. So uh, just an example of an emotional trauma our mom passed away. And um, as Chris and I processed that and grew closer, we realized that we had completely different relationships with our parents as individuals, which was really interesting. And on its own level, it helped me understand how we were all dealing with that death. But just a, a death of someone close to you as you experience three deaths all at once that alone is a trauma. And that's, mm-hmm. that's an emotional trauma. But my mom's is really fascinating about trauma and how trauma is passed down and how it shows up because so our mom was essentially not essentially she was sexually abused by her father we didn't know this until she was bedridden and it was maybe two weeks or so before she passed she started to relive her trauma and release it and find peace with it so at the end I asked her about it because when when I would ask her about it because I was one of her main caretakers, she couldn't speak of it. She didn't remember it. And then once she relived it, she was able to speak about it. And I said, do you have any resentment? And she said, no. And she only, you know, she basically she forgave her father, which was just amazing. And so after that, I thought, because we had, we had never heard about this, learned about this, right? And that was kind of the issue to all of her physical ailments. That's why she couldn't physically heal is because she didn't deal with that trauma until the end. And once she did, so she went full gray hair at 30. Once she relived her abuse and let it go, her hair never went gray. Our mom had cancer that came back, skin cancer and internal cancer. Her skin cancer cleared up. The cyst on her head that she had since she was in college totally withered away. She had fungus in her nails, her toenails, that she could not get rid of since probably 20 years since I was young, her toenails totally cleared up. So all of these physical ailments cleared once she released all of and that. That is extremely important to note because this is not something we can see and it's something that usually gets buried, which is why we need to unpack it. Yeah. Right. But it causes disease. It causes physical ailments. Spiritual first, physical body second. Always, mm-hmm. always, always. And that's very important. Because even chiropractors talk about thoughts, traumas, and toxins. Your thoughts and your traumas, those all lend to disease and how your body's able to adapt to things. So when you shared that story with me, that totally makes sense from a chiropractic perspective of how much the body can take on and hold and what that does over time. Mm -hmm. 
And that's huge. What it does over time, right? Because we don't know it at first. It's like, oh, no big deal. We'll just stuff it away, stuff it away. And then eventually we have a health issue and it's not that issue. It's totally something underneath. And so many people are trying to solve that issue at the prescription or something very surface level. Mm -hmm. My knee hurts. Let's go to the knee. No. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from your foot? Is it coming from your hip? You know, where is it coming from? Or what were you doing when you injured the knee? Exactly. Yeah. Like, But it's hard to deal with. Absolutely. I remember when dad was yelling at you. I got to hear this. Oh, my. Okay. So our dad and I, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but we got a little tiff, which we don't do because, you know, I like to say I was a favorite child for so long and I don't think I am anymore. <laughs> no, that, that but, went downhill off the record. But no, I was, I would always joke with my brothers that, oh, I'm the favorite, I'm the favorite. And, and I wasn't, but I had, we had different experiences with our parents, but because I thought very similarly to my dad in terms of health, we were very close in some way, right? You and dad were really close with business in one way. And so we just had different relationships. But my dad got mad. He took all his anger out on me. And Chris was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be here. Because my dad basically said, I'm going to talk to you in the morning. And I thought, oh, here we go. And I was like, I'll be out of the house so early, he won't be up. <laughs> and Chris was like, oh, I'm going to be up for it. And I said, Chris, don't deal with it. Like, just let me, let me handle this, right? If he needs to get something out, let him get it out. Well, who walks up the stairs at 530 in the morning? Well, to be fair, I couldn't sleep with the onslaught. <laughs> so, yeah, I had to go see what was going on. Like and I said. I'm getting yelled at and I'm not yelling back. So it was probably very awakening at 530 in the morning. Very awakening. And then but I anyways, got yelled at. You got yelled at. Doesn't matter. For I jumping was, in. It wasn't I your was fault. thrown under the bus completely. And you stood up for yourself. And then what happened physically? Physically, my neck, by the time I got back to my bed, my neck, I felt like I was in a car accident, a whiplash. There was that much inflammation. I could not just lay my head down. I had to roll to the side and use one hand to pick it up. Wow. It was like I fell down the stairs to my bed. That's how bad my neck hurt for days. In fact, to this day, it's not completely better. And it was an emotional trauma, 100% emotional. And just stored. Gotcha. Yep. Like I was branded right there in that spot, right at the base of my neck. So something like that kind of happened to me when mom passed. So once mom died, I don't know, three, four months later, I had all of these symptoms that I didn't know why. Like my knees hurt. My knees never hurt, you know, except when I was dealing with Lyme co-infections, they didn't hurt. I had brain fog I never experienced. I had headaches I never experienced. My teeth are all of these things. And when I finally put it all together, I went, holy crap, these are all mom's symptoms. Like I just took on all that physical stuff. Part of it, I took it on. Part of it was passed to me. But I went to Peru and had a you know, spiritual experience, which we'll talk about in a different podcast is really fascinating, but that helped me release it. And one thing I wanted to say in connection with that, though, was mom's emotional and physical abuse that she was put under because her parents were alcoholics. So she was verbally abused almost every day. She was told the night before her wedding that she was going to be the worst bride in the world. And in this talk happened... about trauma. Oh, a huge trauma. And also when she brought up, so her mom walked in on her dad sexually abusing her. And when she brought that up to her mom, she brought it up twice in her life. And basically her mom told her to never bring it up again and shut her down. So that's another just huge door. You know, you're trying to be open and someone who's supposed to be there as a parent to support you, love you, unconditional love and take care of you. And you're just- And now you're just made to feel guilty. Shut off. Mm -hmm. But what happened is when I was young, mom told me that- there was like a month or two months when I was young that I didn't want any men around and I would cry my eyes out, especially when dad would hold me. And no one knew why. 
because dad has always got along great with kids. So this was interesting. And when I heard that story when I was young, I was like, "Uh uh-huh, whatever, you know. But then I started dating these men that were all kind of the same. Like, they're all my height. Basically, if we were, if I was going to see a life together, I was going to have to do everything. I was going to have to take care of the house. I was going to have to take care of the cars. I was going to have to work. I was literally, I saw myself having to do everything. So I thought, I looked at mom and I'm like, why do I keep attracting these people to me? What is going on? And you know, sometimes we joke about it and sometimes we say, like, what is going on? Because it's literally the same person mm-hmm. over and over. <laughs> in different forms. In different forms. Yeah. In different ages, too, mm-hmm. right? It just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. And when you realize... Don't get me started on relationships. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, what happened is finally when mom was going through and releasing her stuff, because it took about two weeks, her trauma... I connected with with a guy and it was the first time that this guy was taller than me and stronger than me and could take care of, just kind of do manly things. Like it was the first time the man was more manly than myself. And I always thought there was a reason once she released all of her abuse that I had met him. And I always told him that. I'm like, there's a reason, there's a reason. And he finally heard my mom's story and he's like, huh, this does make sense. But when she passed... And when she released all that, I felt like this weight was lifted off my shoulders, which is fascinating because I never went through that trauma. But you were telling me before that obviously you understand this trauma get passed on and you see it or talk to women about it with regard to the birthing process. Yes, it's generationally, you know, you can experience that release during a death or, or that aspect end of life. But also if someone's experienced sexual abuse in their past and they don't deal with it during the birthing and and delivery process of it, obviously babies coming out, those type of things, it will re-trigger that abuse. But the beautiful thing about that process is during birth, there's an opportunity for mom to reprogram that neural pathway. I mean, huge amounts of neural reprogramming go on during pregnancy and birth, like mommy brain is a real thing. So I have the unique ability for a a patient to come in. It never fails. If someone has had some sort of abuse, physical, sexual type of abuse, I find out about it in the new patient. Something about me makes them feel safe. People used to say that about our mom as well, which is really interesting. It's like everyone after she passed, everyone came up to me who had had abuse and it's like, that's why I connected with your mom. I'm like, that's fascinating because I didn't know their stories yet. Mm-hmm. I've never had so, any like sexual abuse or anything like that in my life. But you provide that energy where they I feel do. supported. Safe. Yeah, yeah. Safe. which is very important I, and kudos to you. So through that, I'm able to then offer to my patients as I get to know them. And if a mom comes into me that I know she's had some sort of sexual abuse in her past, I can help her just gentle encouragement throughout of, hey, you get to, I know this may be a scary time for you. I'm here for you. I can support you any way that I can. But you also have the opportunity. I always like to encourage and empower my moms that I take care of to, you can do this. And I can't tell you how empowering they feel after that and being like, I can I can set myself up to have a new story and I don't have to be in that powerless state of sexual abuse that I've I've had in my past. But I also remind them, you're not passing that on to your child. 
And I think that's you're where... breaking the cycle. Yes, but exactly. But the nice thing also for you is that you're assisting in that mm-hmm. because with the chiropractic care, there's an energy that you are putting off that you are resonating through your arms, through your hands, mm-hmm. onto their body. To maybe for some of these, I know you you have a pretty interesting story about someone you dealt with, a kid, right? Mm-hmm. So this child came to me. They were they're thirteen years old at this point, and the mom told him to to Hey, can you go out in the waiting room and get get something for her? And when he was gone, she said, Hey, I just want you to know that he's been horrifically sexually abused, but no one knows to what extent. I don't even know to mm-hmm. to this day because he won't talk about it. But she just said, I want you to be aware of this because I was actually taking care of mom first. And he was like, mom, I want to start being seen by her, which I thought was like, huh, interesting. Never said anything to me. Mm -hmm. But that's how we actually started being cared for by me. And the only easiest way I can express to you how I know it was so horrific is because when I was putting my hands on him to adjust him, I felt like pure evil. Like to the point I literally after adjusting him, I would go wash my hands with cold water just and make a very conscious effort of like, I'm washing this energy off of me. Oh, water is part of change Mm -hmm. and it's always flowing. So that's a perfect example to go remove that from yourself. And then I would pray for him silently as I was adjusting him. And as we we cared for him and cleared his, his spine and helped him heal, those symptoms got better. I mean, how rewarding is it for a 13-year-old to be able to go over to a friend's house and sleep over and do the normal things and not feel guilt and shame about it? Yeah. And start leading a normal, normal teenage life. And the thing for me that literally like brought me to tears when mom told me was at this point, he was seeing a therapist for four years and would just literally sit in a room, wouldn't talk to her, nothing. And but he started to open up, right? After did. after seeing you, he opened up to you yeah. a little bit by little bit after yeah. the adjustments, right? Yeah, he was he had more personality. He'd express himself a little bit more, but it was him being able to start to talk to the therapist. You were assisting him in mm-hmm. releasing yeah. trauma. Yeah. And that, it's so rewarding. Like honestly, it's like gives me such joy to take care of patients, to help them heal so they can go and live their purpose in life. I think one of the interesting things with that or chiropractic connected to this is you're moving the bones Mm -hmm. to release the trauma, but you're also helping, you know, you're kind of releasing the trauma, which is then allowing the bones to stay in alignment. So they're both working on one another favorably, which is really neat. Well, a lot of people, when they don't want to deal with trauma... What do they do? They push it to the back. Well, we work with the back. So eventually that trauma comes to the forefront. And it doesn't have to be a crazy release or experience. It literally could just be like, I'm sad one day. Or, you know, I've had a patient who was like, I had the best adjustment you've ever given me. And I went out to my car and I just cried. No idea why, but it was a good cry. Like she came back, she's like, oh, I needed that. Because it was a release. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm glad I could help you. <laughs> that's that's awesome. We see this in all different ways. I mean, chiropractic is one way to see it, but because you and I don't see it with the bones in chiropractic, I mean, it's just neat to hear about that. It's very neat to hear about it. I work with people, we say nutritionally, but 
obviously they're they're coming in because there's an imbalance in some level. But we see trauma all the time. I mean, I was just working with a woman and they thought there was a gallbladder issue. She's had pain for months and it kind of built up and finally it was just huge. And we thought, oh gosh, what did we miss, right? And that's really what I thought. I'm like, uh-oh, we missed something, which I pride myself on trying to always be present and you know, check as many things as we can check. So if I ever feel, oh my goodness, we missed something, it's not a feeling you want to feel because when you're working with people, you're giving them the energy you would give to your family. So it's like, oh, I miss this on my family. What now? And what it came to be, she was releasing inflammation and she was basically strengthening herself over years. But COVID kind of helped bring this to the surface. She had no stones. So that came back fine. Her gallbladder output was fine. What was she releasing? Stored energy, stored trauma. And what did it come back to? A generational pattern that got stored in the gallbladder. And what does the gallbladder hold? Well, repressed anger and repressed guilt. And what was she releasing? Both of which. Her boyfriend told her she was being a bear over the last two weeks. And I thought, yes, you're finally getting it out. This is good. So she was coming to me like, oh, this isn't good. And I'm like, this is fantastic. It's great. And then also she goes, I'm so sad. And she was crying. And I thought, that's also good. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to give you anything supplementally to to help with this. You're doing it. Right. Yeah. But you do help make those connections. And that's what you're good at. Because again, a physical problem or even emotional problem, what is the root cause. Right. And that is what you attack and make all these connections spiritually, Mm -hmm. energetically, physically, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of the saying, the issues is in the tissues. Our body, our tissues take on emotions that you can't fully process. So if you've had a traumatic event and your body is saying, I can't handle this, we can't all process this, it'll break it up. It's going to stuff it. And it's going to store it in your tissues until maybe you have an injury and you're like, well, I need to deal with this. I don't know why. Or fat cells. Fat cells love to surround everything. Mm. You know, toxins, right? Mm -hmm. Your joints hurt. Why do your joints hurt? The interesting thing for me is that I want people to understand this because there's giant data centers, right? We're on the internet. We're saving data. There's giant data centers. Mm -hmm. Cables running everywhere. That's where we store in this outside world. That's where we store everything. You don't see anybody adding on to our bodies to provide more square footage, right? Or our heads getting bigger because our brain's getting bigger, storing more trauma. No, it's literally storing trauma on the cellular level, Mm -hmm. in the tissues, in the joints, in the bones, in the ligaments, everywhere. It is patterning everywhere. And if you don't know Chris by now, you know that he's really good at seeing these patterns in other people, especially his peers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you think what I do is fascinating and I think how your brain is fascinating in terms of how you can see this with regard to relationships, but also friendships. And I know you've had a lot of friends ask you, hey, can you help me with my business, my company, my organization, because you see things differently and you always see the big picture. But often you tell me they don't want to hear what's at the root cause. Which is very true. I consider myself kind of a floater. What do you mean? Well, because I don't do what you do, but I know quite a bit to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't do what you do, but we grew up with chiropractic care and I know a lot to be dangerous. I know how the body works. I know how the mind, to an extent, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we don't really know how the mind works, but... I know a lot of these things that I don't know. Clearly, I should. I'm supposed to for some reason. Mm -hmm. And if there's 
only one thing that I'm good at, it is to pick up this trauma or heartache, if you will, in other people. I don't, I'm not a medium. I don't read palms. I don't flip cards and I don't tell you the future. But I you're really good at sensing when stuff is off. But I can connect to your heart. I can connect to your heart. Most times I can't even stop it. So it's my own issue that takes over when, when this happens. But yes, friends, peer groups, I can see the chaos in your business. For instance, I got a friend, his business is just chaotic. Dumpster fire chaotic? Yeah, worse than that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and he wanted me to help him with stuff. I lasted like three days because I had a tension headache so bad I couldn't sleep because I literally was taking on, I wasn't taking it on. I was feeling it on a level that I did not and should not have been feeling it on. But what I determined is that what he needed and wanted help with, it was never going to fix unless he fixed the internal chaos first, because that is what was mirroring. The business was mirroring the internal struggle. It's the same person that is pissed at his dad, but also pissed at his son for not listening. And he thinks he's the special unicorn in the middle that skipped a generation. (laughs) No, 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 no. And what you really found out is it goes back to, because we talk about this, how hard he is on his son, because... Parenting is just gets at us, you know, it hits us right in the heart center. And so we're so keen on parents who are present and that's really important to us. So anyways, we talk about this in terms of how he connects or how he tries to connect with his son. And and really what it came down to was that disconnect he had with his father. But you see that not only in his family life, but in his freaking business. Mm-hmm. I can see it play out everywhere. It's like, it's so clear as day. I mean, some of the Even things, every friendship, right? Yeah. You know, some of the things people say, well, how do you know? Well, go ask a math teacher how he knows a math equation. Like once you do it enough and experience enough and figure out all your boundaries and everything else. You know. You know. Like you know like you know. And unfortunately for me, it's affected relationships because I feel too deeply. And so I feel an instant shift in anything. And to me... I need understanding, so I try to communicate this. But like you said, Vanessa, not everybody's as open as I am. Right. And really, because it's a wonderful gift to have, but what's happening and what you bring it down to is like, there's a trauma. There's a trauma that happened and you're trying to understand the big picture so you can understand them. Correct. But it leads back to a trauma which closes Mm -hmm. people off. Yep. And same thing with friendships. I have to interject and tell this story because we said we were going to keep it light. So first time I met Chris... We were just chatting, just chilling. And he mentions to me offhand, he goes, you have a big heart wall. I was instantly offended. I had no idea why. So a few months pass. Obviously, I kept a good poker face, clearly. Right. You don't have a heart wall. You didn't have a heart wall at the time. Why would you have a heart wall? What are you talking about? And Chris let it. He didn't say anything. He just made the comment and moved on. So a couple months go by. I'm hanging out with Vanessa and I'm telling her this. She bursts out laughing. And I was like, because you didn't, you didn't necessarily have a relationship or connection and friendship with Chris at that point. And so I knew you on a professional level more so than not. Mm -hmm. And so in my eyes, I'm trying to keep it professional. And Chris says this to her and I find out and I just (laughs) laugh. Welcome. Right. I literally was like, what the heck? And she goes, huh? I wonder if that was meant for you to dig into that part. And I I didn't deal with it at that point either. But how she told me about it, I went home and I was like, you know, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I should just sit in this, just sit in it and just kind of 
feel? What what does that mean? What does it mean to have a big heart wall? And you bring up an important point because after all this, we need to start to unpack. Now, we talked about personal experience. We talked about experiences in our life and how we operate or see things and connect things. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that as individuals, we need to unpack and we need to acknowledge aspects of the situation. Like you just said, do I want to sit with this? Is this something I have to sit with? Because when I did mention that, that triggered you. Mm -hmm. That triggered an emotional response from you. So that's a trigger, right? Yeah. But you have to understand and be aware of said trigger or anything, right, that gets you triggered. Or just that you're triggered. Yeah. And and it's okay to be triggered. Yeah. Getting depressed, being anxious, your mood shifts or angry out of nowhere, these may be triggers. Are they tied to something? We need to understand this of ourselves. If you don't feel safe around people or situations, that might be a trigger. A lot of people like to buy things, eat things, and drink alcohol. Cover it up. Yes. Those are very, very common. The numbing aspect of it. I guess the thing that made me also very vulnerable when Chris mentioned that to me was like, he saw me. Mm. Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no heart wall here. Like, there's a wall, an invisible wall. That right there, I think, is the biggest thing. When people shut back down, someone just said to me the other day, I don't know that I want someone being able to see through me. Oh. And I think right there is scary. It's not something I can really shut down. But the question is, why do they not? They don't feel comfortable with something. They're afraid. They feel shameful of said trigger, said trauma, right? Because when most people describe a trauma, in fact, again, I heard it last week. I was told about a 10-year span of story that was supposed to include all these traumas, right? But it was it was a Cliff Notes version. Hmm. Nothing was traumatic about the way it was explained, the way that it rolled off the tongue. And that is how we all do that, right? Well, someone said something mean to me, right? No one wants to say like, okay, when it happened, what exactly was said specifically? I'm just using that as an example. But we like to brush with a, a broad stroke and cover this stuff up, right? Mm-hmm. And this is part of acknowledging it and sitting with it so we're better able to understand, you know, the emotions or the trauma, anything that's attached. And speaking of attachment, we need to separate our emotions from our identity. Mm. And too often we attach the emotions as part of us. Mm. This is my identity. Yes, it was put in place for us to survive periods of time, but it comes to a point where it's now causing harm. It's a liability. It, Mm -hmm. It protected you at that time. It is not anymore. And since our brain continually tries to save us and keep us surviving, it doesn't always let us do these things that we need to do. Consciously, we're saying, if I release this, I'm going to thrive. Your brain's like, no, warning, warning, right? Like, we cannot let this surface because we use this for you to survive. Mm -hmm. Forget thriving. Like, we're in survival mode. Well, that's the difference. Survival versus thriving. And I don't think people want to allow others to see through them because they're not fully open yet. But we, when we can acknowledge it, sit with it, detach from it, mm-hmm. then we can use other modalities and remedies to help release the energy of it. This reminds me so much of a seminar I attended. So he made us turn to the person to the right of us. Oh gosh, we're all like, oh my gosh, what's going on now? And he goes, you're going to stare into the person next to you who I didn't know 
and stare into their mind, their eyes. Don't think anything. Don't say anything. Just stare in their eyes. I don't think anyone in that room literally could hold someone's eye contact maybe more than three seconds. And he said, why is this? Why are we not able to do this? And he goes, it's because someone doesn't want to be seen. Mm. So if me telling this to you and you're like, you have that internal cringe, that means there's some trauma there to unpack. And that's okay. It's it really is. okay. One thing we use at the clinic quite often, when there's a trauma, it's just an energy and it's a frequency. And so the question is, where is it stored and how can we release it? And when we look at it like that, we meet energy with energy. And one formulation and remedy that we use often is called heart song milieu, which is amazing because it allows you to release what's not you, release what was stored, but also release generational patterning. And um, we use it in so many different ways. But Chris, you and I use it all the time because we're working with people. So we're trying to, you know, clear other people's energy from us, but also we use it when stuff comes up of our own because it's not like you work through one trauma and you're done. You don't have any others. It's like stuff will come up, right? As you go through your journey and what we call life, stuff comes up, stuff resurfaces. And when it surfaces, it just means it's time to work on it. And when that happens, go to your tools, be able to sit with it, be able to meditate, be able to, you know, work through and detach from it and understand that it's not you. But then what else can you use? You can use lasers and light therapy. You can use homeopathics. You can use essential oils. You can use chiropractic. You can use all Massage these. therapy, yeah. diet. Myofascial release. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you make a good point. You fight energy with energy. And I know we've talked about it before, but that's so cool. You're, you're looking the the supplement has a specific frequency or energy, right? Mm -hmm. So it's matching, it's pairing, it's getting rid of, it's doing what it needs to do. But it, you're not looking at it as I'm getting vitamin B right. or vitamin D. It's the frequency or the energy, the pattern that that's giving off that's relating and being prioritized in the body. Correct. And that is a neat thing if, if we can look at it from that aspect. That's an amazing thing. And once you do... It changes what you can do with yourself, but it also changes the relationship you have with God. And it yes. just changes everything around you when you look at it as a frequency or an energy, whether it's resonating with you or not. A mirror, right? People come into your life and they drive you nuts on some level, but you love it on another level. It's a mirror, right? And it's like what you put out, you get back. Yeah. So same thing with the energy, what you're putting out, you get back or do we need to cancel it? But you're absolutely right. If you start looking at things from that perspective, your world opens up and you're allowed to do more things, including start to unpack. Because if we don't see it as a shameful emotion of guilt or fear or any number of them, and we look at it as a frequency or an energy, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. And it has nothing to do with our identity. And I think a good shift too for people is to look at it from not from why is this happening to me, but why is this happening for me? Mm. I um, agree. It's that an, victim mentality is it's dangerous. It's an opportunity. There's an opportunity in the hardship or the trauma to grow to prepare yourself. I look at my healing crisis that I had as a way for me to step into my calling even more. And I wouldn't have had that if I didn't have my healing crisis or the traumas that I had. I'm so much more capable and able to relate to patients. I love the idea of unpacking versus letting go. 
just in terms of, I remember our mom used to say to me all the time, she's like, I just can't let go. How do you, Vanessa, how do you let go? How do you let go? And I think when you look at it as unpacking and releasing, it's totally different because how do you let go? Because you, when you're attached, you can't let go. You make a great point because look at how most people unpack their suitcase. It's one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. You don't just dump it all out on the floor when you get to vacation and get back home. And in fact, if, if like, you do, you still have to put it away one by yeah. one. <laughs> and if you're anything like me, it probably takes four days to unpack that after you get home. So you're still taking your, you live out of your suitcase, taking one item out at a time. <laughs> Completely inefficient, illogical, but I do that. Sometimes. But that's what's going to happen with this is we're going to unpack it one by one and slowly. Yeah. And it, it's not this big, giant you know, monster under the bed or in the room. It's, but let's break it down to what it is. And with that. I just have to tell a funny story. So when I started unpacking my trauma, I literally visualized a suitcase and like I labeled a piece of clothing and I put it into a closet and then closed the door. And I said, I release you with love and gratitude. Thank you for the lesson and the ability to now grow and see the world differently. Nice. And I literally needed that visualization. So I just find it funny that we're talking about unpacking a suitcase. Yeah, and that's no, what some, you did. Some people do. There's different modalities. You have to figure out what works for you. But you also need to seek help if you need to from a professional or support from a close friend, confidant, family member as you're going through this. It's not something to do alone. Mm-hmm. No. And, and it needs to be someone that A, has met themselves on a deeper level than you. B, has a lot more experience in this stuff than you. C, all of the above, like, is a professional that deals with this, whether it's, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist if need be. But most importantly, someone who respects the process and doesn't judge you. You have to be safe enough to unpack what you need to unpack. Now, there are many items put in our path which are pulling us away from who we're meant to be and living out our purpose. It ultimately becomes a heart issue, which we wall off and then close down. We need to face the liar of fear and rebuild the trust in the process of love, love for ourselves and for others. And this starts by unpacking. Thank you for listening. Join our community at outofthecommon.net and pass along a prayer and positivity today.